peeps. I don't see a whole lot of people in the uh, entryway. Good for y'all getting in here on time and all that. So uh, let's pray to start this thing. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each person that is here. I thank you that this first song that we're going to sing says that the battle belongs to you and um, not to us because in our strength and in our power, there's not much there. Um, And some of us probably feel that and know that today because of challenges in our life and other people, sometimes we erroneously think we are in control, but we are not. And um, so I just thank you that we can lay control in your hands and the hands of a good God. And we trust you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and honor for anything good that happens today. We love you, God, and we praise you. Amen. Declare it together as a church. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. In every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. For Jesus, for Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. 
Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Let's lift up a shout of praise. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Lord, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Breaking new ground 
probably the most powerful lyric we'll sing today is in that song. And I've always wanted to like tag this line about 38 times just to try to pound it into my head, but the singer of this song didn't do that. Um, probably for good reason. Um, in the pre-chorus of the song, it says, when I trust you, I don't need to understand. And um, that's like both a really powerful lyric and kind of a scary one. <laughs> because most of us have put our trust in something in our lives that then was taken and broken and shattered. And so it, it gets really hard to put your trust in something whenever, you know, you trust it in maybe a romantic relationship and that person's gone or you trusted in a parent and then that person left um and so we just stop putting our trust in things i think a lot of times and we just bury it away but the difference between god and those people or those situations is that that he doesn't fail and then the tension in our entire lives is trying to figure out, well, how come I feel this way? How come I feel scared? How come I feel in danger? How come I feel abandoned? Um, how come I'm sick? How come I don't have enough money? And uh, I'm not going to try to answer those questions. Um, we'll leave that to Steve and other people. But at some level, at some point, we have to put our trust in something that is good and that doesn't fail and the only place that I know to do that is in God and I can do that because of Jesus if Jesus wasn't in the mix it would be hard to be honest if I was an Israelite maybe it would be a lot harder when I hadn't seen the Messiah yet but to know that God was willing to put his son on the earth and basically we know that Jesus was God and he is a part of God which is confusing but for the God of the universe to put himself here in the dirt with us and to be put on a cross on a piece of wood that he created says a lot for the goodness of that particular God and so today um, I just pray that we would continue to focus on his goodness that we would continue to put our trust in him um, part of our trust in him is about our money and our offerings. Um, we're not going to have like a formal pass the buckets moment as we generally have not been doing that. Um, but the offering buckets are here. There's also the green offering box in the back. Um, we would encourage you and welcome you to give your offerings during this last song or you can give them other places. But, you know, you might not feel like you have enough money and it might not be it might be hard to understand why you would give that that to him but when we trust him we don't have to understand um and that can sound pretty cultish but we're not asking you to trust victory life church necessarily we are but not to the extent that you trust god um and i'm not asking you to trust me to that extent but we're asking you to trust him and tithing is uh, an example that he has given us so we welcome you to do that as we sing this last song Oh, how high would I climb mountains? 
If the mountains were where you hide, know how far I'd scale the valleys if you grace the other side. Know how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply. Cause in the highlands and the heartache You're neither more or less inclined I would search and stop at nothing You're just not that hard to find So I will praise you on the mountain. Now I will praise you when the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. In the highlands and the heartache all the same. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, how far beneath your glory does your kindness extend the path from where your feet rest on the sunrise to where you sweep the sinners past and oh how fast would you come running if just a shadow me through the night trace my steps through all my failures and walk me out the other side for who could dare ascend that mountain, that valley hill called Calvary. But for the one I call Good Shepherd, who like a lamb was slain for me. For I will praise you on the mountains, and I will praise you when the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. No less faithful when the night leads me astray. You're the heaven where my heart is. If ever I walk through the valley of death, I'll sing through the 
overshadowed my song of ascent. Whatever I walk through, wherever I am, your name can move mountains wherever I stand. And if ever I walk through the valley of death, I sing through the shadows my song of ascent. My song of ascent. difficult times when they were in the captivity of the Babylonians and then the Romans and the Greeks they they were tough times that they were going through but the songs of ascents always recognized that God was faithful and that he could be depended on in all things so I just pray that you're mindful of those words that we sing this morning God is always faithful and sometimes we're going up from a very deep valley. But even in those valleys, God's there. Amen. You, um, be seated. I want to tag on to what Brent said about offering. Um, we've been having some people share about what their experience with, experiences with giving is. Um, Pam and I don't do ours online. Uh, 
I know we're old, but we know how to do that. Um, uh, we, uh, and, and that's convenient, but Pam and I like to, we just like to give. And there are people that you don't see giving up here that are, that you don't see them do, put something in here, but they're still giving. A lot of people give online and it's a, it's a regular monthly or weekly or whatever thing. Um, and we've done that for a long time given every single paycheck but something changed in me because I used to look at look at it and have a hard time letting go of it because I was thinking we've got a we've got one more bill to pay and I'm not sure that we have enough when I I realized that somewhere along the way I just quit doing that I just trusted God <clears throat> and we always had enough but we never had more until I just quit even thinking about it. That nowhere in my mind was there a worry about it. I just trusted God completely. And that changed us from having just enough to having more, having money that we could give away, money that we could help other people with. And uh, I just wanted to share that. We'll, We'll have regular regular people sharing. Uh, there's somebody else that I have in mind that I hope they'll share um, because they've got some experiences with giving too. Alright? Um, I need to remind you that the premier group which is kids 10 to 14. Is that right Pam? Uh, meet tonight at 6 o'clock and um, it's the pre-youth group and uh, they have fun and they have a good group every time and so I hope you'll be encouraged to take part in that. January 26th, that morning at 7 o'clock, is Feed the Lions. It's not as scary as it sounds. It's a little bit scary, but it's not as scary as it sounds because we're feeding the sports groups that are involved from uh, Chandler High School. And uh, we've got a great group of those. Uh, Carson and Cruz are here this morning. Well, there's several of you that are here. And so, um, our kids are part of that, but we get to minister to a bunch of other kids too. And you'll be blessed if you take part in that. So January 26th, Friday, that morning, we'll prepare breakfast for those guys. We have, um, this, this morning, we have uh, Pastor Zach Backus bringing the message by video. It's a message that he did a while back. He was actually here live um, the end of October when Brent and I were gone. And... Um, he was, that was a message that was really impactful, and um, so is this one this morning. It's hearing from God, and so I hope you'll be back in here for that, because it's going to be good. Um, for Feed the Lions, okay. It's on the flow page. Everybody know how to click on a thing on the flow page, and it takes you to the... There's a lot. Look for the lion on the flow page. If you don't know how to read the flow or download the flow page, talk to me. All right. Kids are meeting this morning. Um, Brent's going to be in there with that bunch. So y'all know that'll be fun. Um, And we're going to break now for five minutes and come back for the word from Zach. Ready? Break. Next two Sundays talking about hearing God. Hearing God, this is the number one question that I get asked as a pastor uh, besides what I think about the rapture. 
this is the number one uh, question that I get asked, which is how do, how do, how do you hear God? Um, and how do you know if what you're hearing is God? Just real quickly, uh, show of hands, just how many of you have had that question before in your heart and in your life? Man, how do I hear God? How do I grow in being able to hear God? And then so many variances of that same question. But ultimately, this, this comes from uh, a genuine heart of desiring relationship with the Lord. And uh, I would submit to you here at the very beginning of this uh, message that communication is the foundation of relationship and it's a depth finder of connection. And what I mean by that is, is that any relationship, whether it be between uh, two married people, between friends, family, uh, employees, communication is going to be the foundation of that relationship, the stability of that relationship. And it's gonna be the thing that determines the depth of connection that you have with that person that you're in relationship with. And as a pastor spending, I don't even know how many hours now uh, with couples and helping couples with marriage coaching, scriptural counsel regarding Christian marriage, no matter what marriage woe might be befalling, and I don't mean like a marriage woe, those are good woes. I mean like a marriage woe, difficulty, issue. Uh, it all comes back to communication every single time. Uh, it comes back to being able to get what's in your heart that you might sense or feel, or sometimes the thoughts that are in your head to get those things out in such a way that the other person can connect with it and hopefully, if we're communicating to each other correctly, we deepen the connection between us, even if we're having to confront the people that we love in love. The same thing's true in our relationship with God. The depth of our connection with God, at least our perceived connection, and the depth of our uh, foundation in regards to our day-to-day -day living with God is ultimately connected to this conversational relationship that God desires to have. And we live in a culture and in a time that if you tell people that you're hearing God, uh, they will probably try to offer you medication or will refer you to some people that will try to offer you medication. And it's very uh, interesting to me how confusing and, and convoluted this very simple reality is in the life of believers, but I live with a true conviction that as a born again Christian and as someone that's been adopted into the family of God, that part of your birthright of Jesus, not just being your savior, your redeemer, your Lord, but Paul tells us in Romans that Jesus is the first in a long line of brothers and sisters. How many of you know that Jesus is your elder brother in the Lord? And I was really arrested in my heart this uh, past Sunday, I believe it was. I'm terrible uh, with time, uh, just in general. But I think it was this past Sunday that Pastor Dwayne was with us. And he said something in the message that just jumped out at me. And I had dropped in my heart from the Lord. This is what you need to teach on for the next two, two weeks. And he was talking about being Christ-like. How many of you desire to grow in Christ-likeness? desire to grow and what it means to reflect the character and the nature of the Lord. Man, we're going to have a great time at this service. Uh, there's such a sweet spirit in the room. You're actually really happy that I'm talking to you, aren't you? Wow, that's great. Oh, 
I, I said that before I looked in the balcony. No, I'm just kidding. You guys are happy up there too. And uh, we all should be happier by the end of this, or at least more joyful. But um, Pastor Dwayne said that for us to grow in Christ-likeness, if you want to be Christ-like, he said, you have to know what Christ is like. And I'm a firm believer that at whatever level we want to grow in our hearing when it comes to God, we have to grow in our knowing of God. Or you could say it this way, our hearing, our hearing from the Lord is always going to be connected to our knowledge of the Lord or our hearing from God is always gonna be connected to our knowledge of God. And so many people are struggling in their relationship when it comes to being able to hear from the Lord because they're still confused about what God's like. Have you ever said something to somebody and what you said and what they heard were wildly different? Is anybody married in the room? <laughs> you said a thing, but what was heard was totally different thing. I didn't know this. I'm so thankful for Pastor Lee in my heart and in my life, a true father in the house. And he's just invested so much in him. He truly lives. Uh, we office next to each other. We're neighbors at work every day. And uh, he really has just become a guide on the side in my life. And uh, so thankful for the wisdom that he carries. And he talked to me about this early on when it came to pastoring people and leading the sheep. And it's one of those things like when you tell your kids uh, something in theory and you see they're like 50% tracking with you. Oh yeah, that's a great principle. And then you leave and they're like, man, they're, they're gonna, you know what's gonna happen. They're gonna live this out and they're gonna come back to you and say, do you remember when you said this, this, and this? What was one of these situations? Pastor Lee had told me that there's such a thing as, and this is spiritual and I don't have time to get into all this right now, but there's a legitimate reality that happens because there is a gap, even physically, between the words I say and your ears. I have to breathe those words out and they're released into the air. Well, maybe I do have time to go here because I'm about to do it. But the, the devil is called in the scripture, the prince of the power of the air. The devil messes with people's perceptions. He's a master deceptionist. He's smoking mirrors. That's his forte. That's what he does. That's what he's good at. The devil is not good, but he is good at this being deceitful. Uh, which is not a compliment because who wants to be good at being deceitful, right? So I'm not complimenting them at all. I'm just being honest with you that it is possible for even the elect of God to be deceived by his devices. The scriptures tell us that we don't need to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And the sad reality is, is that most Christians I talk to can tell me more what the devil's saying than they can what God's saying. Any Christian I've ever, I've never had a Christian ever, ever, be able to tell me that I just don't know what the devil's saying. You know, I've been trying to listen to him and I just don't, I don't know. It's, he's mysterious. He, he works in mysterious ways. One of the most quoted Bible verses that doesn't exist. Now, Job said, the Lord moves and I perceive him not. And we kind of riffed off that and then we started listening more to Bono than we do Jesus and... That's all right. That's all right. God moves in mysterious ways. Okay. No, he doesn't. Okay. My voice is a little pitchy today. I'm sorry, but I didn't know I was going to be singing you too up here. If Jesse was giving you revelation from Harry Potter, good God, I should be able to sing you too up here to you. 
Hallelujah, man. Any, man, I tell you what, we don't have time for all that either, but that was a good, that was a good word. She, she brought redemptive value to that. That was awesome. I, uh, but I want to encourage you that God doesn't move in mysterious ways. Now, that doesn't mean that the Christian life isn't full of mystery. In mystery, we don't know what to do with because here in the West, especially, we like to live by certainty. And faith and certainty are not the same thing. I didn't forget what Pastor Lee taught me. I'm coming back to it. Just wait a second with me. But we live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We hear God and we build relationship with God by faith, not by sight, even though some of you have had audible experiences of hearing God's voice. And some of you had had open vision experiences. And I don't think I'll get into it today. I might, but I've got, I'm pacing myself. This is for me, not for you. I'm confessing to myself. I have time next week to get to what I don't finish today. Okay. So a lot of us uh, would even come together and say, we've had very real spiritual experiences that have affected our physical senses, our five physical senses. Uh, some of us have had legitimate open visions to where you saw with your eyes open the Lord or angels. Uh, a lot of Christians have seen demons. Another thing I am always curious about that Christians can always tell me what the devil's saying. And I've met way more Christians that have seen demons than I've met Christians that have seen angels of the Lord or anything like that. And it just shows you how much even Christians are in need of freedom in their life. Uh, Jesus called out to Lazarus and resurrected him from the dead, but then he told his friends to go and to take the grave clothes off of him. I can tell you, you can be born again and still live grave and still wear grave clothes. There's a freedom that we need, and there's a place even for today, a legitimate deliverance ministry in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I could, man, we could, uh, we could really draw a crowd if I started teaching on all that, but I want to encourage you that uh, deliverance isn't always just from demons, even though we need that. We need delivered from our own ineffectual hearing. Uh, We need delivered from lies that we believe. And I can tell you that the devil being the prince of the power of the air, he distorts reality and he distorts even what we hear. I can tell you this, and and I've taught on this at different places. I know I taught on this at, at a men's event a couple years ago, but I had believed a lie for years. It took hearing from God and, and spiritual revelation that came to me in a very profound vision. It wasn't with my eyes open, it was my eyes closed. But I've learned over time that there are visions of the heart that are really close to almost like uh, daydreaming. Uh, and it's in the mind's eye. There's things that I see with my eyes closed when I'm praying, spiritual realities, I see angels, things in the room that I know are there. At first, I didn't know. I thought it was just me making it up. But then I would start seeing in my mind, Jesus going and praying for somebody or an angel over here doing this. And I would start, over the years, I learned to open up my eyes and look. And how many of you know that the wind's invisible, but you can see the effects on the trees? So I started opening up my eyes and I would look and I would see people exactly that I saw in my mind being touched by the Lord. And as soon as I opened my eyes, they would just start sobbing, crying. And I could see in my mind's eye, the Lord ministering to him, you know, somebody come and say, you know, I, I was in worship and I felt this wind come by me. And it was right where I had discerned by the spirit, the eyes of the spirit, that there was an angel or something like that happening. And this isn't even what I want to talk about today, <laughs> what I'm saying right now, but I'm just going with it. But I'm telling you that our hearing can be distorted and it's a real spiritual reality. 
And Pastor Lee's the first person that coached me on this and mentored me in this is that people can hear something that is legitimately the exact opposite of whatever you're saying. I believed a lie for years. As a small boy, um, I figured out that because of genetic factors in my life, I was probably gonna cap out a certain height, okay? And I surpassed even what I thought I was going to, all right? Just in case you're wondering, with my shoes on, I'm 5'10", and I'm pretty proud of that, okay? Because there was a time I didn't know if I was gonna you know, make it past whatever, and for me, it was a big deal. It doesn't matter, you're, I'm telling you my own personal insecurity. I, God loves everybody, all safe, sizes, short, tall, round, uh, slim, whatever you are, God loves you. This is, this is my story, okay? Let me tell my story, please. And it's really tough when you perceive people's thoughts. But one of the things I want to be able to, to, to tell you about this is, is that I struggle because my, my dad is like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, tree trunk of a man, huge, just solid, you know? He's old now, and he's still in better shape than I'll ever be, just Solid guy, super strong. I legitimately watched him take our little Jeep when we had stalled out on this. We had done this dumb thing a few years ago in terrible ice storm. We tried to drive to my parents' house. It was just me, Serena, and Jovi, and we couldn't, our little four-cylinder, we couldn't make it up the hill by their house. And I'm calling dad and he comes out, he wears shorts everywhere. It can be negative five and he's got shorts on. I've only seen him wear jeans one time, I think it was at my wedding. But anyway, no, he wore the suit, he wore the slacks. But where I'm going with this, he came out and he told Serena, Serena, get in the car and just steer. And he just grabbed the car and pushed it down the hill. It was like a matchbox car. He just wanted to put it right where it needed to be. He's like, okay, that'll be fine. And then we left and it was crazy. So that's my dad. And I didn't know, but as a kid, I just so desired in my heart to grow up and be as big as my dad. And, and I knew my dad's also blonde hair, blue eyes uh, of German descent. My mom is five foot nothing, uh, <laughs> little, little, little Mexican lady. Uh, sweetest person you'll ever meet in your life, by the way. But she, look at that. You know of her, okay? But, uh, but and uh, so my dad's... Uh, German, my, my, grand, my grandparents, my uh, great-grandparents actually uh, both independently before they got married, they came over on a boat from Germany. Their parents, Hitler had just come into power and they had seen the right on wall. They had discernment to know that while everybody's singing this guy's praises, this is not good. And they got my great-grandma and my great-grandpa out and they met in New York, owned a bakery there for years. A lot of my family's from Brooklyn. And uh, they, uh, anyway, that's, and so that's my dad's side of the family. So my dad's this big, tall guy, blonde hair, blue eyes. And I would look at myself in the mirror and I would realize I do not look like my dad. And people would tell me, you look like your dad. I'm like, no, I don't. My dad's this big, tall guy. I'm the short little chubby brown kid. I'm like, I don't look like my dad. And something had happened in my life. Fast forward years later, this is probably, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And uh, I had this revelation that I would tell my wife all the time, I'm being very vulnerable with you today, but I'm gonna show you the power at which we have to get out from under some things and come under some truth so that we can actually start receiving from God with what he's actually wanting to show us and tell us, okay? Are you with me so far? Okay, so I had discovered that uh, in my life, I would, I would always tell us, I always looked up Pastor Lee, Pastor Dwayne, 
Pastor Mark Carrillo was a, is a great uh, man in my life, father in my life as well. And I tell Serena, I just hope one day when I grow up that, I get, that, I, that I'm like them. I would tell her this all the time. I just want to be able to be like them. I see this fruit in their life. I see this. And that's good. How many of you know it's good to desire to emulate certain people in your life? But I was doing it from a place of feeling like I didn't have near that kind of fruit showing up in my life. And maybe in the time it wasn't. But what was crazy is I had this experience in the Lord through this vision with my eyes closed. I don't have time to qualify it all. But God spoke to me and he showed me that I had believed this lie as a little boy that I didn't look like my dad. And because of that, it was limiting my revelation of how in Christ I look exactly like my dad. And I called Serena, sobbing, crying. It's a long story. Pastor Austin was with me. Uh, that's before I gave him a nervous breakdown. He had to go pastor in Sherman. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, it was tough working for me. And he, a uh, uh, powerful man of God, one of my best friends, and he was praying for me. And I had this experience happen in his office and I'm just sobbing, crying. And I called Serena and the Lord said, call Serena and ask her to tell you what she's always said every time you've said that about Pastor Dwayne, Pastor Lee, Pastor Mark. So I called and I said, hey, I had this inner healing experience. I can't tell you all about it right now, but I need to ask you something that I feel like the Lord's telling me to ask you. When I tell you, I hope one day I'm like these people, what have you always said? She'd say, I've always said you already are. I'm telling you for eight, nine years, what I physically heard, this is real, physically heard with my physical ears was this, you will one day. I had physically never even heard the actual word she was speaking. And I started sobbing again. I said, how long have you said that to me? She said, every single time you ask. Wow. Talk about Jesus saying, have an ear to hear. And talk about Jesus saying, and even though they hear, they won't understand. And even if they saw with their eyes and turned, I would heal them. Sometimes what gets in the way is our ability to hear the enemy and to believe the lies of our past more than our ability to hear from God. And there has to be a breaking down. There has to be a bondage broken in people's lives that ultimately comes from everything in this Christian life comes from an ongoing revelation of how much work Jesus has already done for you. I know that struggles with, for people that grew up in religion and that are still striving and trying to squeeze out through spiritual constipation, fruit of the spirit. But <laughs> I can tell you that everything that we need concerning life and godliness, God has made available through Jesus Christ. And the more you come under the truth of how redeemed you are, how saved you are, the more you submit to what the book of Philippians says, I believe it's chapter two, that it's God that's at work in you right now, you and me, God's at work in you right now, giving you, listen to this, giving you both the power and the desire to do that which pleases him. Did you know that days that you don't even feel like talking to God, He's working in you, giving you a desire to talk to him that you don't even have. I mean, when you really start seeing this, you see that every time you mess up, it really is just your fault. God's not, God's not messing you up at all. God's not doing anything to mess you up. And I can tell you that 
Man, if you're in Christ, you have left the devil in the dust so far spiritually that I'll tell you this, at least 75% of the time, the problem in your life isn't even the devil. And let me just be real honest with you here while I'm honest today. Today's an honest day. Unless I really take time to scan the room and look at who's here, and I could be wrong. I could tell you this right now, chances are 99% sure that nobody in this room is dealing with the actual devil. The devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not omniscient. And I don't see anybody, and I'm looking at myself in the camera up here on the screen, that's important enough for the devil to be messing with you. The devil's dealing with presidents and prime ministers and people that are doing all kinds of things. Now, if you ever advance to a place to where you get on his radar, you'll be equipped in Christ if you walk with him right now. But I can tell you in my life, I don't know if I've ever faced off with the devil. Now I've dealt with many demons, some of them through you, praise God. <laughs> but I don't know that I've felt with the actual devil. So you have to know that when we say things like, oh, the devil's after me, we, you know that's, a, that's, like a, that's, like a, that's like a philosophical statement. Darkness, enemy, yes, all real, spiritual realities. But the enemy has a way that he's trained his little henchmen to mess with the environment around you, to mess with the air around you. That's why they seek to control airwaves. That's why they care what's released into the world through entertainment and through uh, pundits and through policy. They seek, and through propaganda, they seek to be able to engage people's perceptions so that they get the airtime and you don't hear the wind words of the Holy Spirit. So before we can really begin to start hearing from God, we're gonna have to get worse at hearing the devil. I'm telling you, every time I talk to a Christian, they can tell me exactly what the devil's saying. You know, well, the devil's been after me this week. He told me this and he's reminding me about my past. And, and I'm never trying to be rude, but I'm thinking to myself, my God, when's the last time you talked to God? I'd be feeling terrible too if all I did was talk to the devil. And I'm not poking fun at anybody. I know we have legitimate experiences where people are tormented and demonized. And man, if that's you today, we can help you get free. But I'm telling you this, it is a part of your birthright as the younger brother or sister of the Lord to hear your father's voice, to be able to hear from God. And don't let the devil tell you any lie that tries to confuse you. Now that I've got off that part, let me get into this part, that God speaks in a lot of different ways. And I'm not gonna get through all of it today, no way. But next service, I'll take time and I will show you even scripturally the different ways that God speaks. But before we do this, I need to talk about the devil. <laughs> and I needed to talk about uh, the elephant in the room, which is God speaking silently. <laughs> I, you heard what I said. One of the ways that God speaks and the way that we have a really tough time figuring out, especially when we're crying out to God for answers, is through silence. The Lord speaks through silence and we just don't know what to do with it because our life is very loud and uh, we're people filled with a lot of words. And I wanna talk to you right, right here from the beginning of this to encourage you that just because you're talking to God and not hearing anything, doesn't mean that you're in some bondage, you might be, doesn't mean that you have believed this deep-seated lie, you could be, there's also a very real possibility that you're talking to God, but he just doesn't wanna talk about whatever you're talking about. 
or he's already told you what he has to say about that particular thing. Or third thing we're gonna look at, you're underneath the waves of a very distressing season in your life. There's something that has come over you and upon you that has made it difficult for you to hear. And what you're perceiving as silence is really just the adversity of life. Did you know it's hard to hear underwater? And some of you have waves around you that might be the reason you're experiencing some of the silence of God's voice. And what we're gonna look at today is how to come out from that and step into a experience of hearing him and hopefully hearing him clearly. So before I get started in the actual message today, just believe with me in your heart that all of us over the next two weeks are gonna grow in our ability to hear from God. Just activate faith in your heart in the room and just right now in your heart, just confess in your heart, not out loud. Man, over the course of these next two weeks, I'm gonna hear God like I've never heard God my whole life. I'm gonna dream God dreams. I'm gonna see God visions. I'm gonna hear him in the whisper of my heart. His presence is gonna invade my prayer time and my worship time. I'm gonna hear more of him and my spouse and not the devil, amen? Just all those different kinds of things in our hearts and our life. Okay, amen, good, that's enough praying. Now, God's silent sometimes. Sometimes it's because we've got things clogging our ears. Other times it's because he really is quiet. And a lot of this can be explained, hopefully simplistically, in an analogy between me and my children. We've got five kids and uh, pretty frequently our children ask us repetitive questions. And, what I, and when I say frequently, I mean every hour of every day, okay? And we might get asked a million questions a day. And when I say a million, I really mean a billion. Now, some of these questions that are asked are repetitive, meaning that not just repetitive, they're redundant. It's the exact same question. H have any of you ever experienced this from raising your own kids or being around grandkids before? Being asked the same question over and over and over again. Did you know that I get to a place of uh, pastoral parenting that I've said all I'm gonna say about that particular question? And I've, I've already answered it. So there are literally times that the question comes again and this is my response. <laughs> now, if you need... Uh, parenting coaching, I'm giving it to you right now. You might have to rinse and repeat this process that I'm doing right now, but it's more effective the longer you're committed to eye contact and silence. <laughs> Especially if I've answered this for the 20th time in the past 20 minutes. Okay, this is true, especially because everybody knows little kids love grandparents more than they love their parents. It's supposed to be this way because the parents have to have somewhere to let the children leave so that they can actually live life again, <laughs> right? So this is good, this is very good. So if they find out that any of the grandparents might remotely be coming by for any reason to take them anywhere, which is why we don't say it until literally five minutes before they come, but sometimes they find out because kids run reconnaissance and I'll tell you what, man, full on special ops stuff. I hear the conversation sometimes, dad woke up, but he woke up and when he got up, I heard some kind of talking going on and I'm pretty sure that I heard something about Mimi and Papa's house. <laughs> now Mimi and Papa are real cool, they're here on the back row, you guys wave at Mimi and Papa back there with Judah. 
And if they know, especially that they're going to go with Mimi and Papa, I'm going to hear. Now, if this happens in the morning, it's not till the evening. What do you think I'm going to hear the whole day? Uh, Dad, yes. Uh, are we going to Mimi and Papa's house? Yes, you are. That's the first time. Yes, you are. Inside, I'm like, that wasn't really tongues. That was, exempl- that was an example of tongues, okay? No interpretation. It was for the purpose of example, okay? Calm down, all right? So what do you think happens five minutes later? And there's five of these jokers, so it's another one. It's not even the same, it's not even the same one. They send another one in. And I can hear them in there, go ask dad. No, he'll spank me, go ask him. It's good. Children should live in the fear of their father. Fear of the Lord. This is biblical. This is biblical. Some of you gentle parents need spanked yourself. Anyway, this is the... <laughs> okay, let it go, Lord. Let it go. Help me, God. Help me. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. No, we're no, no spankings today. In love, in love. But here's... <laughs> Here's, here's the situation. They come, and you know where I'm going with this. I'm dragging this out. You guys are too friendly. You need to be less responsive, so I'll keep moving. <laughs> and uh, they asked me repeated, repetitively, finally, 20th time I've been asked this question. I don't have a smile anymore. Are we going to Mimi? Are they still coming and pick us up? This is my response. And sometimes my kids know this powerful phrase that only dad says. And anything after this phrase is not Christian grace and love anymore. But this is the phrase, I am done. Now, what that means is that I don't have anything left to say. And what that means is that there's not anything that I am not going to do. But if you progress from this point in the conversation any further, all that I have left for you is fire wrath, fury, whatever you want to call it. Don't progress past this point any longer. I am done. My favorite catchphrase with my son, Judah, is, Judah, this is the last time I'm going to use my words, son. He's like, got it. <laughs> my favorite's my Kenna. My Kenna's beautiful little child. She says, yes, my captain, every time. <laughs> wow, it's beautiful. Yes, sometimes she says, yes, captain, my captain. I love it. Kenna. Past this point, there will be a spanking of your bobo involved. Yes, my captain. She goes on. (laughs) Okay. Now, let me tell you this. God loves you. He's so patient and kind with you. God's never going to tell you, I'm done. Maybe. (laughs) For the purpose of this conversation, let's say no, right? God's a much better father than I am and much better shepherd than I am. We know God's inexhaustible. And his patience, his love, his mercy, and grace. I'm not going to sit up here and lie to you and tell you that I am, because I am not. You can totally exhaust my patience and my mercy and my grace. That's why Jesus is the perfect one, not you or me. Okay? But there comes a place in time to where my silence, when I look at him, how many of you know that is an answer? The answer is, I have spoken. It has been said. There are some things that you call intercession, which are really anxious petitioning for an answer that's not intercession. It's your spiritualized anxiety. Bombarding heaven with the same question. 
and expecting a different answer when the father has said, Sometimes silence is because God's already talked to you. You just lack the obedience. We don't suffer for want in the kingdom of God because God's not good or because we're not anointed. We suffer for want and lack of result in the kingdom of God because we're not mature. Maturity, lack of maturity holds you back in godliness and in spiritual realities, not lack of anointing. You have Jesus, the anointed one living in the inside of you. You don't need any more anointing. You honestly don't need any more gifting. What you need is maturity. So one of the things that keeps us from being able to hear God is immaturity. Uh, anxious, spir- anxious spiritualization, asking the same thing over and over again, expecting a different answer. And God's already talked. Sometimes God's silent, not because he's already spoken, but because he's not speaking to you that way anymore. God is so jealous for you and knows how easily it is for human beings to be self-deceived and to create graven images of him in their life that sometimes God will turn off speaking a very particular way because you've made it religious. It's your default. It's the thing you always do. And in some kind of weird mixed reprioritization of the heart, you've exalted a practice above the presence of God himself. Even when Job was in the midst of his testing and his trial, in the midst of all of his pain and his suffering, he was having a hard time hearing God. And don't get me wrong, when you're having a hard time hearing God, all your friends and friends and family will come tell you all the things that God's saying. But I love this, something else I also uh, learned from Pastor Lee, but when Job is finally ready for an answer, God doesn't give an answer, he gives himself. In the silence, God finally talks. And what he says essentially is, I'm done. (laughs) Where were you when I did this, 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 and this? Can you not see that it's me that you need? Sometimes God turns off the revelation Sometimes God turns off the visions. Sometimes God turns off the warm feeling of his presence, not to punish you, but to persuade you to keep longing for him more than anything else. Because he knows this, that there's a point in time that you can get good at discerning spiritual stimulus and it opens you up for spiritual deception from the enemy. That's why so many Christians are struggling with, especially brothers and sisters that are pastoring in other parts of the country, we still, we see it to a degree, but the Bible Belt still protects us from a lot of this. But there is so much uh, new age spirituality, even Christian witchcraft that's crept into churches. There's witches that have infiltrated intercessory teams in charismatic churches and all kinds of crazy stuff that I could talk to you about that you probably don't believe. Doesn't matter if you do or not, it's real. And it's because there is a place where people get so good at discerning spiritual impulse that they confuse it even for the spirit of God. And sometimes you're walking in right fellowship with the Lord. He intentionally pulls back certain experiences, not because you're in sin, not because you've done anything wrong, but to keep you from creating an idol in your heart and your life, even a graven image of himself and to lead you into a purification through the fire of his presence to really being content with just the word of God who is the person of Jesus Christ. 
Now, sometimes, now let's look at this really quick in, in Hebrews. Ultimately, no matter what we get into in the next two weeks about the different ways that God speaks, ultimately, God is always speaking through his word. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to take this up a notch, though, because I believe that the scripture is the written word of God. But when I say the word of God, I'm not talking about the scripture. I'm gonna show it to you here out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. Next week, we'll look at some layers, some different uh, ways that God speaks to us. The first one is the scripture that we'll start on next week. But I wanna talk to you right now about the word of God, capital W. This is the John chapter one word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. That word is not referring to the leather bound canonized scripture. In the beginning was not the Bible. Uh Oh, what did we hit? There was like a, it was like a chug hole right there. What happened in the beginning was the word capital W Greek is the logos the wisdom of God, the operating system of heaven. God saying, let there be. That rhema, that breath spoken word was coming from the absolute truth of the wisdom of God, the logos of God, which is Jesus Christ, the son of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus, without question and without argument, if you want to know what the Bible does inherently, infallibly and without any deviation every single time is it points you to Jesus. The Bible inherently, infallibly, and without question will always point you to the word of God, which is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think it's in them that you have eternal life, but they are them that testify of me and you won't come to me that you might have eternal life. Eternal life is not living forever. It's not going to heaven when you die. John is clear. Eternal life is this, knowing God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. And if you step into that kind of life, you will live that kind of life forever, even outside of death itself. Eternal life is connected to knowing God and Jesus Christ who said, it's the eternal kind of life. It's the deep life. It's Jeremiah. It's the ancient paths where the good way is. It's the type of life that Jesus comes to reveal to us. The type of life that is found in him, the way, the truth, and the life. God ultimately always has something to say. And what he has to say now, every day and eternally is his son, Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. Look at Hebrews one. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of God's, of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the word of God. And what God has to say is Jesus. Jesus's life, his love, his ministry, his ongoing work by the spirit, everything that God is saying, and no matter how he says it, will always come from, through, and need to be surrendered to the person of Jesus Christ, no matter what, no matter what it is.
all right? Now, with that being said, I want to talk to you here really quickly about this last reason why we might be experiencing some silence in our conversational life with God. Ultimately, prayer is the primary pathway by which we interact with God conversationally. There's many types of prayer. Uh, there's an excellent book on prayer, uh, a guy named Richard Foster that's just called Prayer. And one of the things that he talks about is simple prayer. Simple prayer, we would call just talking with God, having conversation with him, driving in the car and saying, God, I'm kind of worried about this meeting and I need you to be there with me, even though I know you are, but man, I really need you to be there with me. <laughs> and just those whispers in our heart to the Lord. How many of you understand that our work of prayer is supposed to be unceasing, which really just means that we're supposed to live and grow in what it means to live with a conscious awareness of Jesus with us, beside us in all circumstances, you're at your worst whenever you forget Jesus is with you. Just by the way, that one's free. You don't have to uh, pay for that one, but the rest is $29.95. Okay, so <laughs> I, wa I wanna talk to you about this, this final way that we might be, or why we might be experiencing some silence in our conversational relationship to God. Christians I talk to all the time, brothers and sisters in the Lord. I feel like I'm always talking to God. I'm waiting for an answer. I don't hear anything. I told you some reasons why that silence might be there. Uh, one of the things that we experience is that what we want to talk about isn't what God wants to talk about. Sometimes what we're bringing to him is our worry, our concern, our frustration. We're saying, God, I feel like things are so disorganized in my life. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what the first step is. But a lot of times the silence that we experience in our life when it comes to the voice of the Lord is that we don't really want to hear what he has to say. The leading cause of the inability to hear God's voice is this, fear. Because if God actually talks to me, and if I actually hear him, what if he asks me to do something that I don't really want to do? Like sell all my stuff and move to Africa. That's scary for some people. That's Serena and I, we have a word for that. It's called vacation. <laughs> a lot harder things to do than sell all your stuff and go to Africa. But we say, man, if God really talks to me, he might make me call that family member that I really despise. So I don't know if I want to hear from God. God, let's talk about everything except that. Sometimes it's all the emotional mess that's on the inside of us that we don't know how to deal with. We take things to God, ask him to help us sort through it. And sometimes our hearts are not the fertile soil that they're supposed to be. It's an overflowing storage unit that we've essentially pay money for because we have to keep stuff that we don't want, but pay for it every month or move it out of our house into a smaller house in the backyard. And we keep those things there Thank you, Susan. I appreciate the laughter. We keep those things there so that we intentionally don't have to deal with them. Anybody have a junk drawer in your kitchen? What's in the junk drawer? Listen, we don't fish. Like I'm not a fisherman, okay? At least for fish, all right? And we have fishing line in our junk drawer. String, why is it there? No idea. There's all kinds of stuff, you know? You want a expired piece of medication or you want fishing line? It's all there in the junk drawer along with $37 in pennies. What's going on in the junk drawer, right? We have junk drawers on the inside of us. We have cluttered closets. We have storage units. That's emotional mess of things that sometimes we buy the lie and the deception that 
We can't take those things to God. Those things are in our way. That's why we can't talk to God. I have to get this depression out of my life. I can't get this fear. I can't talk to God if I'm angry and I just got done cussing outside. How am I supposed to go to God? He's holy. And I would submit to you today that the real place that God wants to speak into your life is in the middle of your hot mess. God wants you. C.S. Lewis said this concerning prayer, that in prayer, we don't lay before God everything that should be in us. We lay before God everything that's actually in us. And we bring it to him. Sometimes we don't hear from God because we're not ready to be honest about the things that we're actually feeling. Sometimes we bring certain conversations up to God and the whole time God's talking to us, this is, this is us over here. This is the cluttered closet, the storage unit that needs to be cleaned out, the junk drawer, and God's talking to us. And every time we say, man, my life just feels so much pressure, so much worry, so much fear. Do you know the worst thing to do is to tell people a thing that they're not ready to hear. Not for you, typically, but for them. There's so many times that I work one-on-one -on -one with people and what I'm waiting to have happen in their life is for them to come into an awareness of how broken their life really is. Because if I continue to insert truth and if I continue to say things, in the midst of their situation, all that it does is fall on deaf ears. One of the most powerful places for any of us is that person that we've been believing for that's made a mess of their life, maybe it's you, finally comes into a, a realization that, man, I am here because of my choice. I'm here because of this. And where I know that God can really shift and start making changes in people's life is when they move into a place of humility. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. I've literally had people come to office and I've, tell, I've told them, I have nothing I can do for you. And they say, why? They say, because you're in pride. And if God's resisting you, what am I gonna do for you? You're gonna have to come into a place of humility. You're gonna have to see this from the perspective of your spouse. You're gonna have to see this from the perspective of your kids. You're gonna have to see this from the perspective of the other because you're stuck on you right now. And if they're ready to hear that and they receive that, an opening in that junk drawer, an opening in that cluttered closet happens. And we can actually get to organizing some things. But sometimes we're afraid of what God will tell us to do, or we're afraid of being honest about the mess. But in actuality, in prayer, we don't just lay before God everything that should be in us. We lay before God everything that's in us. Genuine connection and conversation is always heart to heart. Some of the best conversation with God that sets you up into some fertile soil to begin to hear from him is to tell him that you don't want to be talking to him. <laughs> Something you probably never heard a preacher say. Some of my best prayers have started off with God. I don't want to be talking to you right now. And by the end of it, I'm weeping and boohooing and crying because there was something about me just finally being honest and getting out this feeling that set me up to remember why I was actually there for him. Not for some revelation, not for some prophetic dream that'll come in the night, not for some winning lottery number, bless our hearts, but just for him. Sometimes we don't hear from God because we're not content just with him. We're greedy for his stuff. And sometimes we're not receiving from God because 
Well, the waves of life have encased us, have overtaken us. Let me read really quickly here on this last reason why I might be experiencing silence in our conversation with the Lord. This is Matthew 14, 22 through 33. You remember this passage? Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples see him and he calls out to him and he says, come out here. Well, no, sorry, backing up. Peter sees him and says, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Ask me to come out on the water. And Jesus says, come on out. So Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk. And as he begins to walk, he is looking at Jesus, hearing Jesus, seeing Jesus. But we know the old adage still rings true that when you get your eyes on the wind and the waves and off of Jesus, you begin to sink. What I'm so encouraged about this is that a lot of people teach us in such a way that they focus on just that one piece of the thing that, you know, if Peter would have kept his eyes on Jesus, he wouldn't have been sinking. And we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. How about just telling Peter, good job that he got out of the boat? Like you would have gotten out of the boat. But all these Christian couch critics, they're like the people that yell at the, at the quarterback during the Super Bowl. If they were as good as the quarterback, they'd be on the TV. But they know, you should have called that play. Why did you do that? I tell you, if I was the coach, just be quiet. You haven't played football in 50 years. You don't know what you're talking about, dude. If you were, you'd be paying off Project Big for us and tithing that football salary. Just enjoy the game. You're not in the game. Just be quiet and watch the game. Praise God. We got these Christian couch critics picking on Peter, you know, and pastors acting so much more spiritual. You see, when we don't look at the Lord, be quiet, dude. Of course you do the same thing. I'm going to tell you this. If you're really walking in faith every day, you should be having some sinking moments. You should be having some moments that you feel totally in over your head. You should be, if you're really walking a walk of faith, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be surprised by the sinking. You should plan for it. You should be in situations to where if God doesn't come through, you're totally toast. You shouldn't be out there in the first place. I say, man, good on you, Peter. Nobody else got out of the boat. It's Teddy Roosevelt's famous speech about, it's not the critic that counts, it's the man that's in the arena. Peter's in the arena hearing God and he starts thinking, we got all these sermons about how Peter was not operating in faith. The dude got out of the boat and started walking on water in the middle of a storm. That's faith. That's living by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you won't see God and you definitely won't hear God. Peter's out walking on the water, starts to sink. And how many of you know, he went under. Hard to hear God underwater. I'm here to encourage you today with a prophetic word from the Lord. Some of you don't hear God right now because you've actually taken the biggest faith risk in your life you've ever took. And you think that because you can't hear his voice that you've missed it. I'm telling you, you might not be in a situation that you've missed it. You might be in a situation to where this is about to be written in your divine history with God. And where you think it's silent is actually because in this season, God's not gonna speak to you through his voice. He's gonna speak to you through his hand. Jesus didn't have to say a thing. Couldn't have hurt him even if he did. He reached into the water and how many of you know that if you're drowning, Jesus' hand coming through the wave says a whole lot. And he pulled him back up and encouraged him to keep walking in faith. And some of you might be struggling and feel like you're underwater hearing God. And I'm gonna encourage you that in that silence, 
God might be reaching through, not with some audible voice, not with some other revelation or insight from your favorite pastor. He might be trying to physically and personally reach into that situation of taking a faith risk. Some of you feel the delay in your heart of believing for a thing and not seeing it come to pass. Some of you in the midst of a situation saying, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Just speak to me. And it's dead quiet. And I'm here to tell you this, that there is a covering of the wings of Jesus that are superior to the waves that are trying to cover you. Ruth chapter three, verse nine. Ruth has experienced loss in her life as a widow. She's to go and follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, and go to Naomi's land, believe in Naomi's God, live life in a totally different socioeconomic, geographical, people group, everything. And they're in need of a redeemer. They're in need of somebody to be able to give their family now a hope and a future. And they discern through Naomi that there's this lineage that's connected to their family through this man, Boaz, a good godly man named Boaz. And in Ruth 3, verse 9, Ruth goes and presents herself to Boaz and asks him to spread his wings over her. He says, she says, because you are a redeemer. It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. In the Jewish culture, any four-cornered garment, they would sew these tassels onto each end of the garment. And it was to remind them, they're called seats, seats, seatseths, sorry, seatseths. They would tie them onto the corners of the garment. And a lot of this culture wore an outer garment that was this cloak or a, a shawl. And it was to protect them from the elements, to protect them from the wind and the waves and the rain, sorry, the waves, the wind and the rain. But even on that shawl, there'd be four seat sets on it. When the woman reaches out to Jesus and says she grabbed the, the fringe of his garment, that fringe connects to a Hebrew word for the corner, what actually in Hebrew means wing, the wing of the garment. When the prophet says that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, we don't say Jesus got eagle wings. It's the wings of his garment. It's the corner of his garment. At that time, it would have been the talit, which was a prayer shawl that Jesus would have worn. And in conversation with God and in prayer, we don't try to come up on top of our problems, or our circumstances. We actually are supposed to come under the covering and the blessing of the Lord. And that happens whenever we recognize Jesus as enough. Remember Peter walking on the waves. He said, if you tell me, Lord, to step out on the water, I will. When he did that, Jesus's spiritual covering and authority came over Peter. And that's what gave him the ability to walk above the elements of the world. But when, G when Peter got out from underneath that, when he started looking at something other then that covering of Jesus's wings is when he started experiencing sinking, definitely not redemption. It just arrested my heart this past week as I was reading in Ruth of Ruth just before Boaz and saying, I need you to spread your wings over me because you are a redeemer. The place that we actually start to be able to hear from God and to grow in our knowing of God is just with a simple, posture of surrender of the heart. Lord, I'm asking for you and you alone. I'm asking for the word of God. I know you can speak to me in dreams. I know you can speak to me in visions. I know you can speak to me through prophetic word. We'll get into all that next week. But I believe that for me to grow in this journey of what it means to hear you, 
I have to receive you exactly as you are. Not my will, not my way. Lord Jesus, I need to come under your wings. I need to come under the waves that are trying to silence your voice in my life, the lies I believe, my past, maybe even my current faith move that's moved me outside of my comfort zone. And it's my discomfort that's screaming at me right now. I believe there's something superior to the sound of the waves. It's the sound of your wings covering me, reminding me that you've redeemed me. You've sanctified me. You've set me apart, that you're God's word. God wants to release his word over you which is not just this tidbit nugget of wisdom or revelation knowledge. God wants to release his son through the presence of the Holy Spirit over your heart and in your life. And as he does that, that covering from the Lord for conversation between you and him, how many know it suffocates the things of chaos and distraction and worry and fear in your life? But to do that, you have to present yourself to Jesus exactly as you are. Ruth had to present herself to Boaz exactly as she was, widowed, destitute, literally gleaning from just the the scraps left on the fringes of Boaz's field, not trying to get herself cleaned up, no money to get herself cleaned up, just said, I need you to spread your wings over me. My pain's screaming at me, but this is a faith risk. I've left everything. I've chose to go with Naomi. I've walked away from my own people. This was the biggest step of faith Ruth had ever taken in all her life. And all she recognized was the redemption work in Boaz and said, all I really need is for you to spread your wings over me because you're a redeemer. To be able to hear from God, to be able to hear that blessing from the Lord, to be able to receive that covering from God is now the capacity to be able to discern his voice every single day in your heart and in your life. Zach, Pastor Zach is the youngest old man I've ever been around. His wisdom is way beyond his years. And some of you may need to listen to that again because I, when I listen to him and I've spent a lot of time with him and, but still when I listen to him sometimes I, my brain is processing things and it just it's like how much RAM a computer has I'm still going on about 16 meg instead of 32 gig or whatever and he I have to process and do some of those things over again so if you need to listen to it again look it up on YouTube look up hearing God Zach Z-A-C-H Z-A-C-H and you can hear that again don't listen to part two because in part two is uh, is shorter and it's very very practical about hearing God what what that looks like in different ways we hear from God and we um, we're probably going to hear that next week so I want you to um, stand with me I don't want to see a show of hands or anything, but often at the end of a counseling thing, I say, did you get anything out of that? Um, And you should, any, any level of maturity, spiritual maturity, you should be able to get something out of that. The very practical things and ways to, the, what a pastor does most of the time is challenge people's thinking. And he did that big time. Um, 
it certainly challenged me. And um, no matter what your maturity level is, whether you're a teenager or, or my age or older, you, there should have been something there to challenge you in your thinking. So let me pray for us. And if you have a need, we're not going to go on long. Um, but if you have a need, I want you to come find me or Miss Yvonne or, or Jeff or somebody to pray for you. Um, but we're going to be dismissed right after this. So let me pray for us. Father, we desire to hear from you. We desire to be better at hearing your voice. And as we ground ourselves in the word to where we can recognize what it, what it, what hearing from you sounds like, I I pray that we will get that stuff that's outside of the Bible, um, those things. Those words about turning left or right or, or a challenge on a friend that we have or, or, some, or an activity that we're involved in. Father, I pray that we start to hear those things. Because when we do that, it opens up a whole, whole new realm of spiritual blessing that we can have. A whole new realm of spiritual power to, of discernment and uh, on being able to do even just our job every day that will operate in a whole new level of spiritual power to to be the best that we can be in you. And so as we go from this place, Lord, I pray that the, the realization of those things literally empowers us to be more like Jesus every single day and for the benefit of those people around us, not for our own benefit, but for, for the benefit of the world that you sent us into. It's in Jesus' name we pray.